Hey guys, it's a great day to live for Jesus. My name is Pastor Mike Grover, and this is the In the Word podcast, a twice-weekly devotional journey through the New Testament, where together we will stop, look, and learn what the Lord has to say to us today. In the Word this morning in Matthew 14, we pick up uh, right after where we were last week, where Jesus was teaching his disciples through parables. And in Matthew chapter 14, we're introduced now to a new character in the scriptures and in the New Testament, and his name is Herod the Tetrarch. And it says in verse 1, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist, he's risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake his brother Philip's wife. For John said to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, give me here John the Baptist's head, on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John the Baptist in prison, and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the young lady, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now, you got a lot of Herods running around the New Testament, and it can get confusion, confusing at a common or casual reading. The probably most principal Herod is the one we're introduced to when Jesus Christ is a young child, and his name was Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the king over Israel, over Judea, Galilee, Perea, and he was really appointed by the Romans kind of as a figurehead there. He was much hated by the Jews because He wasn't Jewish. He was part Jewish, but he was also part Idumean, and they really never viewed him as their true leader. Well, when he died, his kingdom was divided up by the Romans um, among his sons, and so they became known as tetrarchs. Now, technically, a tetrarch means a fourth or a quarter, and so we'd expect then his kingdom was divided into four parts. Well, it kind of was, but it was only given to three of his sons, letting it get more and more confusion. One of them was Herod Archelaus. He was put over Judea, and he did a horrible, horrible job, so he got fired, and and, uh, Pontius Pilate uh, took his place kind of as the governor of that area. He had another son named Herod Philip, and he was kind of off in the northeast in an area up there. And then you had Herod Antipas. That's the Herod we're talking about now that's referred to here as Herod the Tetrarch. Herod Antipas, he's the one that they brought Jesus to at his crucifixion. He's the one over in Luke chapter number 13 that Jesus called that fox, and uh, he was quite a troublemaker. And um, Herod here was over Galilee and Perea. Well, in the story here, he had imprisoned John the Baptist because John had spoken boldly against him really living with his brother Philip's wife. Now, I'm not going to get even more confusion, but he actually had two brother Philips, okay? So Herod's were a mess. You think things are a mess today. Uh, Man, we have nothing on the culture Jesus stepped into. 
So he's living with his brother's wife immorally. And John told him, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Well, there's really several reasons it wasn't lawful. First of all, the obvious, he was already married. He was married, really, to the princess of of, uh, Petra. So he is committing adultery on his wife. He's committing fornication, living with his brother's wife, which is also adultery. And not only that, if you look in the family line, you'll find that his brother's wife, her name is Herodias, was actually also his other brother's daughter. So his brother's daughter, his niece, married his brother and was living in immorality with him. And in a minute, her daughter, his niece's daughter, is going to dance before them and get him so worked up that he promises her anything she wants. And her mother set her up to ask for John the Baptist's head to be cut off. Well, going a step further out of the biblical narrative into the historical narrative, um, Herodias's daughter that was dancing ended up marrying her mother's other uncle. So this family, the Herods, was a wicked, wicked family that were leading Israel in that day. And, you know, we, we like to think about how bad things are getting and the wickedness of leadership and rulers, and certainly we have that in our day. But don't think for a minute that is new to man's story. Man, Jesus came along at the very worst of this situation. So he cuts John the Baptist's head off, and we arrive at this part in the story in Matthew 14, and he hears about the fame of Jesus and all that Jesus is preaching and all of his miracles, and it says that he said, this is John the Baptist. Now, in Luke's account, he says some people thought Jesus was John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Some thought that it was Elijah come back, And Herod, in his own fear, his own paranoia, um, now he thinks, man, this is John the Baptist. And I imagine when he cut John's head off and he was laying there on that platter and those dead eyes of John were staring him in the eyes, man, that left an impression with him that couldn't soon be forgotten. But here's what I want you to understand. So here's Herod, and he's living with this anxiety, this fear, this paranoia, but What really brought it on in his life? Why did he even cut off John the Baptist's head? Well, I think it's just the fear of man. Look what it says in verse 3. Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison. But look what it says. He did it for Herodias' sake. But then look in verse 5. He would have put him to death, but what? He feared the multitude. And then look at verse 9. The king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and for them which sat with him at meat. He commanded John's head to be given to her. Notice a pattern here. He put him in prison because of what Herodias thought, but then he didn't kill him because of what the people thought, but then he cut his head off because he feared what the people would think of him. One person said this, like most weak men, Herod feared being thought weak. Wow. Like most weak men, Herod feared being thought weak. So you got this kind of whole story, this setting. And by the way, an early Christian writer named Origen had written that John the Baptist resembled Jesus, and he thought that may have added to this paranoia. I don't know if that's true. That's not in the Bible, but an early writer said that. Well, all of this going on in his life, anxiety, paranoia, fear, guilt, all of these things is driven by one thing. It's the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a snare. The fear of man brings a snare or a trap into our life. 
Man, that fear of man leads us to bad decisions, and, and it affects us in different ways. One of the traps, of, man, just the physical fears and the fear of persecution, the fear of being put to death. And many Christians today uh, face the, the temptation to fear man because of the physical con- context of, uh, of following Jesus Christ. But, you know, we don't really fear death so much as followers of Christ here in America. But you also have the psychological um, fears. Man, the consequence of anguish, of people-pleasing, of guilt. And Jesus said this, or the Bible says this in Psalm 11, 111, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let's just kind of think of this logically. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, man, then the fear of man is the beginning of the path of foolishness. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 4 and 5. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he has killed has power to cast into hell. So what did Jesus say? Don't be afraid of people that after they kill you, that's all they can do. In other words, he was saying, don't fear death. Fear the consequence of what can happen after you die. Men may kill you, but literally that's all they can do is kill you. I remember a story about John Rice. He said a guy came to him and held a gun to his head and tried to rob him. And his answer to him was, you can't threaten me with heaven. That's a great illustration of that. But he says, what we ought to do is live with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the one who, after we die, is able to exact um, eternal consequences, not just temporal consequences. And so here he is living in this complete fear of man. Now, obviously, Herod Antipas was not a follower of Christ, so man's approval would have been a dominant thing in his life. But it also happens to believers Man, we have concern over what people will think of us. We become preoccupied with others so much that the Lord's will becomes secondary in our life. Man, there's so much at stake and we become fearful and paranoid. But when we begin to allow the fear of man to dominate our decision-making and our choices in life rather than the fear of the Lord, man, there is so much that we can lose You look at just some of the basic benefits of the fear of the Lord given in Scripture. Fear of the Lord brings wisdom. It brings safety. brings us fullness of life. It brings us confidence. It helps us avoid evil. It even gives us good sleep, according to Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord allows us to rest easy. So when we sacrifice the fear of the Lord for the fear of man because we're afraid of what people think of us, We may gain a little bit in the sense of being thought well of, but man, we sacrifice so, so much that God desires for us. You say, well, Pastor Mike, what exactly is the fear of the Lord? Well, we could go into a deep theological definition, but I've come to settle on this in my life. The fear of the Lord is the awareness that God is aware of me. Fear of the Lord for me is that I live each day in an awareness that God is aware of me. And that's, he's aware of me for my support. He's aware of me when I'm struggling. He's aware of me when I need his help. 
He's aware of me when I'm being persecuted. He's aware of me when I'm going through hard times. The fear of the Lord is I'm aware that God is aware of me. So he's aware of me for my support, but he's also aware of me for my correction. God is aware of me when I'm sinning. God is aware of me when I'm mistreating someone. God is aware of me when I'm not living in his will as he desires for me. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding what? The evil and the good. So the fear of the Lord is when I go outside my door each day and I live with the conscious awareness that God is aware of me. Now, the fear of man would be the opposite then. I forget to live in the awareness that God is aware of me, and all I become aware of is the people around me and what they think of me. You see, Herod lived with fear, guilt, paranoia, anxiety, and what did it do? It ultimately led to murder. And the fear of man may not lead you to this extreme but it will definitely rob your life of so much peace and joy. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Why is it that the righteous are bold as a lion? Because we live in the awareness that God is aware of us and our circumstances. We live in the fear of the Lord. So here's the word for the day. Determine the things that are important in your life with Christ. Seek him first and then remember them in light of the pleasure that they bring to the Lord. Determine those things that are important in your life and your walk with Christ and remember them in light of the pleasure that they bring to the Lord and live in the awareness of his awareness of you. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey together through the New Testament.